Well, hey there, and welcome to the Bible Geeks Weekly Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Every seven weeks, we take a break to recharge and regroup, and this happens to be our week off. But we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. So while we're off, here's one of our favorites from the past. You just need to decide to stop, man. You just, you just choose to say no more. He says, it's not that easy, Mom. It's an addiction. Well, hello, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning into the Bible Geeks podcast. This is episode two. I'm your host, Brian Sheely. I'm Ryan Joy. And thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. And I have some follow-up. I know we're only like two episodes in now, but I actually have follow-up from the last episode. <laughs> so we were listening, my wife and I, to the recording, and I just have to say, as soon as she heard your voice in the intro, she got a little teary-eyed, which is... <laughs> that, that actually happened. I saw that in my wife's eye, too. Just, <laughs> not because, wow, you're doing a podcast or anything like that, but just because they, they know our friendship, and uh, this is probably a long time coming. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, that, that quickly turned into a sort of negative eye, I guess, toward the fact that I neglected to mention that I am actually a father. Uh, <laughs> I was intending completely to talk about being a dad and my wonderful little seven-year-old daughter, Ashlyn, but for some reason, <laughs> I totally forgot to mention it on the last episode. So that's, that's important. Ashlyn is, is, uh, is, yeah, important. And uh, I went the other way, evidently. Uh, that was mentioned to me by my wife, where I mentioned all four of our kids, but uh, without your nod to her, I did not mention my best friend and uh, most important relationship in my life, um, Adrian, who I won't go into a whole story about, but <laughs> I love you, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> You want to you wanna get started with something? Yeah, let's do the Jesus Said. You ready for that? I'm ready. So again, if this is your first time listening, what we do here, we're starting the show with a verse, a, a, a statement from Jesus, and one of us will choose a, a statement from Jesus and read it, and the other one doesn't know what we're going to read, and so we just want to talk about it and, and see what the other person thinks about it and what we can draw from it for our lives. So are you ready for this, Brian? I'm ready. Go for it. Okay, so I'll just set the context without reading any of the rest of it. The context, Jesus is here talking in Luke 6 about loving your enemies. It's not, you know, if you just love those who love you, what benefit is that? Everybody does that. And then he says, judge not and you won't be judged. And he talks about forgiving those who or sin against you and you'll be forgiven. So this is the verse, verse 38 of Luke chapter 6. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. What do you think? Mm. <laughs> I love this verse. I I think I'll probably say that about all of these Jesus said <laughs> segments. It's hard not to love what Jesus says, obviously, but it kind of reminds me of Job in a way. Yeah. You know how, how Job, obviously in the beginning of his life, he was so wealthy and he was blessed by God with so many good things. And he had all of that taken away to the point where, I mean, there was almost nothing left for him to give except the only thing he had left, really, was to 
give his devotion to God. And he continued to do that, you know, even, even at the very end when he was basically left with almost nothing. Mm. And so even the small little bit that he had left, he was still willing to give to God. And then we see on the other side of that story how God then blessed him, you know, in a material sense with so much more than he had before. Mm. There's a lot of power in this, just the fact that God will give, but then we also have the opportunity or the, the responsibility a part in this, that it's based on what we do and what God does. If I were to add something to this picture of Jesus, dangerous, but just to just like this is how I imagine it um, is. So you've got so there's this picture here. The way I think of it is somebody's like holding out their shirt, their their robe or whatever, and it's being the the grain is being poured out into their lap, and it's just it's just spilling over. But it's like you've got a, a hole in the bottom of your shirt that's being distributed, poured into the lap of others. You know, it's like a funnel that's pouring some water into a a funnel and it's funneling to other people, but it's so full and so much that the more you pour out, the more is being poured in so much that it's spilling out all around you and you're just, you're just splashing on everything and everyone that's around you and, and you have more than you could ever hold on to or use. And it's, you know, in context, again, forgiveness and love it's not the context isn't just about financial things or possessions it's not that it's not included but this isn't like a health and wealth kind of idea it's this idea i think of the fluency the currency the the flow have you ever noticed if you get irritated with someone and you don't forgive them you sort of can block everything in your life yeah. as opposed to if you open yourself up and you just say, you know what, I'm just going to forgive, I'm just going to love, I'm just going to keep giving my stuff, I'm going to keep giving of myself, it's actually enlivening, it's actually freeing, it's, you have more because you're giving rather than the way we sometimes think of it. Well, if I pour myself out, then I'll have less for myself. And it doesn't work that way. Right. It obviously is connected in verse 37 with judging and condemning mm-hmm. and forgiving. And it kind of reminds me just a, a couple of pages down about what Jesus said to the woman who was washing his feet with her hair in Luke chapter 7. Mm. And in verse 47, it says, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are mm. forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Oh, I love that. Maybe when we realize how much God is giving us, or even forgiving us, we'll be so much more willing to extend that love, that giving, that forgiveness to other people. But if you don't feel like you have any problems, or you feel like you are maybe you're self-sufficient, and the things that you have don't come from God, or the, the forgiveness that you have doesn't come from God, or like that you're just really well off and you don't have any needs, then you might not be as willing to extend that to other people. So maybe just that, that idea of how it's, it's God's giving his forgiveness, his mercy, his grace to us, to me, that informs how I treat other people. And that funnel idea, I think is perfect that it just sort of like, he's given me so much and I can just trickle that into the lives of other people as it sort of overflows in my life. 
I love the Luke Seven parallel. That's yeah, and the the difference between her and some of the other people, Simon and the Pharisees, whoever, is not that she had sins and they didn't. Though she had many sins, and right. she was so aware of her sins, therefore she was so aware of the love that was given in the forgiveness. And the more aware I am of my how loved I am and how forgiven I am and how far I, God has had to take me to get me even close to where he wants me to be, the more that I have love to pour out. It's, a, it's wonderful. That's a, that's a good one. Good choice today. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Okay. So what we, what we really want to do for the rest of this episode is, is talk about the subject of habits. And you just recently preached a lesson on habits on Sunday, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you just recently, and I, started reading a book, a secular book on this, Atomic Habits by James Clear. So that kind of stirred some conversation about all of this. Yeah. It was interesting that I, I didn't know you were reading that book. Uh, it, that is not unusual for no. uh, us to be synced up in that weird way. But yeah, it's really, uh, the the habit is such a, it has become a real focus of my life over the last several years. As I've sort of realized, I, I, I read The Power of Habit years ago, Charles Duhigg book. And I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but it was a really helpful idea for me to get that willpower has its limits and that's what habits are about and that's why habits can be so useful or so dangerous and the way that a habit works with a a cue and a response or an action that we do a routine as he calls it and then a, a reward or something that reinforces that and you see that certainly in scripture for bad things and good things. We could talk about that either here or in another episode. But it, I started then, especially the last two, two or three years, really trying to be very intentional about designing a few habits that I knew what the cue was going to be. I knew what the reward was going to be. And I could really develop these most important sort of fundamental building blocks around those cues and rewards and it it's had a it's not always easy but it's had a big effect on me how about you have you sort of done some work on that yeah i i would say over the last couple of years the topic of habits and being more aware of myself and why i do things what motivates me to do things has been a real focus of mine i guess kind of like yours it's such a big topic because yeah. I think obviously our main goal, my main goal is to be more like Jesus and to sort of have this lofty goal of being exactly the kind of people that God wants us to be and sort of breaking that down in my life over the last few years has looked like, well, what does a Christian actually do or what in sort of that posh you know, 1990s kind of phrase, like, what would Jesus do? Mm -hmm. But just continuing to ask that question a lot, and that sort of trickles down to these habits, like you talk about, or maybe even like systems, Mm -hmm. small things that we can do, small ways that we can improve to be more like Jesus, to, to respond more like Jesus, to think more like Jesus. And I don't think it's too 
kitschy or whatever to kind of ask that question, what would yeah. Jesus do in this case? Yeah. And I've, I've found in my life that's helped sort of frame a lot of the decisions, a lot of the continual and repetitive actions that I've tried to implement. Yeah, I, I didn't put this in the show notes, but I talked about in my lesson this phrase we find a couple times in the Synoptic Gospels, this phrase, as was his custom. Oh, yeah. And so as we think about, like, what would Jesus do? There's things that he did in a moment of difficulty, you know. Of course, what would Jesus do? He would sacrifice himself on the cross. But there's also this these habits, these patterns, these customs mm-hmm. that he built his life around, these positive things, like as was his custom, he went to the synagogue in Luke, right. I think Luke 4 maybe, and he he went and he had this practice of being in the synagogue or going off and being alone and praying. I think about his times of prayer and meditation alone a lot because it almost seems like a very selfish thing to do because it wasn't directly benefiting anyone else. But we see how helpful it is even when you can get away for some small period of time and just be introspective in your own life. There's a lot of value in that. There's a lot of benefit in doing those things. That's really interesting, that statement you just made, because I think that's how we, that's, that's how I think sometimes. I've gotten questions about that before, this idea of rest, and, and I'm not talking about you know rest where you're just sitting there with Candy Crush or something, but real <laughs> rest where you're restoring yourself, recreation as in recreation, and how that is, uh, you may have heard me say the phrase before, the, this is a quote from Parker Palmer that has helped me and Adrian, self-care is not a selfish act. Right. It is stewardship of the one gift you have to give, which is yourself. And I know you, this is maybe a topic for another time, but you have a practice on (laughs) your birthday uh, that I I find so encouraging. I've been trying to, my birthday's on Saturday and I'm going skiing, but I've been trying to have a, uh, to kind of emulate this practice that you have for a couple years and haven't gotten it done yet. But my wife and I are committed that this is the year. You want to tell everybody about that? Yeah, so every year, with the exception of a few years I've missed, but I try every year to go on my birthday for a few days to a cabin up north and basically just kind of reset. And I use that time for all kinds of things, planning, goal setting, just evaluating the way that life has been going over the past year and doing a lot of study. This past this past year, actually... I committed myself to spending the entire time reading through the entire New Testament. And then I had some time left over while I was up there, so I decided that I would read through the 12 minor prophets as well. And I had never done that. And just dedicating a block of time for a few days and sitting down and reading end-to-end the whole New Testament was probably the best thing I could have done in that case. It was it was a great use of time. And, you know, I'm not saying everybody has to do that or like I'm some great person that I did that, but I'd never done it before. And just spending that time alone, I, I probably would not have been able to do that had I not taken that time and just sort of 
you know, withdrew myself to a, a quiet place and, and dedicated myself to it. So it's just bringing it back to the, your statement about being selfish these habits, these customs, we see in the life of Jesus, and we often see them right before he goes through something difficult that he's going to go through for other people, but he's filling up himself with the power and the energy and the perspective to be able to do the things he needs to do. And these habits of personal devotion are so important, not just because they glorify God, but they lead also to actions that then glorify God and a lifestyle that glorifies God. We need these disciplines. We see these kinds of things, obviously, not only in Jesus, but all throughout the Bible. The first example I always think about is Daniel, who is who is the one who had a habit of praying three times a day. This was his custom. This is what he always did. And even when there was a decree against it, he still went into his upper room, closed the door, went to the window toward Jerusalem and prayed like he had done before. And his dedication to that, there was really nothing that was going to stop him from praying. So you know, lots of people throughout the Bible have had these customs, these routines or rituals. And I think there's a lot we can learn from that today is what are the the habits, what are the systems that we need to put into place that will bring us spiritual growth that will help us to continue to focus? But on the other side of it, what what do you think about the habit of sin? Because that's I, I I feel like just as much as a good habit, we can take root in that. I feel like even harder is the struggle with getting over bad habits. I, I think about the power of a habit something you don't want to do. And Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 6, uh, the idea in verse 12 there of not letting anything have mastery over you. You know, if I, if something is not under my control and not under Christ's control, then it's, I'm under its control basically. And so he says, all things are lawful for me, but I'll be masked. I'll not be enslaved by anything. Right. Uh, My son has this habit of sucking his thumb. And he's been doing it since there were pictures of him in the womb doing it in our in our ultrasound. So it's a deeply ingrained habit. And he's five years old now. He's trying to quit. And he, whenever we tell him, we're trying everything with him. But whenever we tell him, you just need to decide to stop, man. You just, you just choose to say no more. He says, it's not that easy, mom. It's an addiction. <laughs> and if something is, if there's something you don't want to do and you're doing it, it's, it's an addiction. It's a habit that has formed so deeply in you, it has mastery and, and sin. So we, want, we don't want anything to have mastery over us but Jesus. But sin is even more insidious. It's more oppressive and powerful. And it is called throughout Scripture, slavery. Right. It's this idea of, you know, Romans 6, and, and Jesus says in John, if anyone commits a sin, he is a slave to sin. And it's, in Romans 6, it's, it's talked about like this feudal lord, this, this master that's evil, but who just takes over everything. Like sin is more than just a thing you do, it then starts to have through the power of darkness, through Satan, and through everything that's opposing you, 
it starts to have a greater influence than any one action should have any other kind of habit and really puts you under this slavery. And James, James 1 talks about how whenever you have a desire for these things, it forms into sin, and then it ultimately leads to death. And so you kind of see that cue routine, and ultimately there's pleasure as a reward, but ultimately that end of death. And I love that passage in Romans when Paul's talking about being a slave to sin, because he says, do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, mm-hmm. either of sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. It's that idea that you are willingly, or I am willingly presenting myself for obedience to something. Yeah. And so this idea sort of that you have no control or that it is outside of your ability to change I think is is directly in contrast with that idea that I am willingly putting myself into the hands of Satan if I am giving myself over to sin to obey it, or I am willingly presenting myself to God to obey him and to be a slave of righteousness. And so it is it is your choice. I mean it is it is my choice. It's it's not outside of what I can change or or control. Yeah, there's a a phrase in the very old book. Going, you were going back to the 90s with the WWJD movement. <laughs> uh, back to another very popular thing in the 90s was the Stephen Covey book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is a good book. And he has this phrase that he read when he was on sabbatical. This is sort of the origin story of the book. He read this phrase in a, some kind of a psychology text or something, and it spurred the whole book. And the phrase was, between stimulus and response, there is a gap. And you look at you know, Peter in Second Peter 2 talks about those who, these false teachers who are following every lust, and they're like unthinking animals. And an animal doesn't really have a gap. And they're like, whenever their flesh tells them to do something, they do it. Whenever they're angry, they yell. Whenever they want it, they take it. And it's very easy for us to do that. But this idea of willpower, of choice, of, se- of, of free will in Scripture is that there's a gap there. And people can fill it with different things. People in the world have self-control sometimes, and, and they fill it with their what they want or their conscience maybe their their imagination their reasoning power but in Christ as Galatians 5 and Romans 8 talks about this beautiful picture instead of being led by the flesh we fill that gap with the spirit with the holy spirit that is not just his presence and his person but his will and his thoughts and his words and his affections and his desires what god teaches us what god reveals to us as we pour over his word as we pray to him and as we seek him our very affections you know our desires even start to change it's not just the routine but he's changing the cue and the the thing we want but also we can expand that gap and we can fill it with not what I want, but what, what God wants. And I think that maybe is a good transition point from talking about the control that good habits can have over us or the control that bad habits can have over us to maybe talking about how to 
how to really address this problem. And I think about Galatians 2 verse 20, where Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer me who's living. This is no longer my life. I'm not here for myself. I'm not here to, to, to pave my own way or, or choose my own path. Everything I'm doing, it's as if Christ is living in me and I'm doing what he's wanting me to do. And so this, this kind of idea that, that James Clear talks about in this book, Atomic Habits, one of the things he, he talks about there is, is really about changing our identity as being one of the most effective ways of putting new habits into our life. And he talks about a runner, for example. You know, if, if your goal is to run, that may not be such a great goal. The goal may not be to run, but your goal probably should be something like becoming a runner. And his whole philosophy in this book is about identity change. You you view yourself, view who you are as someone different, or I want to be a better father, or I want to be someone who is dedicated to my family, or I want to be more outgoing with people about the gospel or whatever. So these sort of like big lofty goals. And then he decides, he talks about working backwards from those points to some of the smaller habits or systems that we can put into our life that actually make us like that. And we had talked just briefly, I think, about the British cycling team uh, (laughs) that he mentions in this book. Tell me about this British cycling team and how maybe it relates to some of the things that we're talking about. Yeah, it's a great example. It made made me think about some little things I can do in in my speaking and, and especially these little changes, these incremental things that start to compound in our spiritual life, in our walk with Christ, as we, as you said, change our identity. And so there's sort of a, you know, Adrian and I talk sometimes about be to do changes. This is who I am has changed. So therefore what I do changes, but also sometimes what you do changes and that shapes who you are. And so you are your habits. So these British cyclists, the British cycling team was evidently, I haven't followed cycling much, but evidently it was kind of the laughing stock of, of the cycling world for years. And they got a new coach and he decided we're going to make some, some small changes here and there and improve things. So they just changed a bunch of little things and they expected, hopefully as we keep implementing these different changes, we'll start to see some little improvements except that it happened way faster than anybody expected. And in 2008, in the Beijing Olympics, they won, I think, more medals than any other country, like five or six medals. They went on to have a bunch of members of their team win the Tour de France. And and these are things that just hadn't happened before. But now they went from a team that particular bike companies didn't even want to allow this team to wear or use their products because it would be bad publicity to on top of the cycling world. And it's just these, as as Clear puts it, these 1% changes. And if you think of it like interest in a bank, you're just gaining, but slowly it starts to compound and grow. And eventually 
it's it's kind of and this is this is how transformation happens in Christ. You don't really see usually how Christ is changing you, how the Spirit is bringing about His fruit into you. But when you look back a little bit further, you don't see it day to day. But if you think about who you were, and if the people who knew you think about who you were, you can see these incremental changes have happened. And and habits, whether it's thinking habits, attitude habits, or these doing habits, these practices, really are what shape that. You get this sense that sometimes you want to make these monumental shifts overnight. Mm -hmm. You want to make giant changes. I, I know seven or eight months ago, I decided to to start eating better and taking care of myself more. And as anyone knows who starts a diet or watches what they eat or exercises more, you don't walk away from that the next day having like hit your goal. Yeah. You, you didn't lose 50 pounds overnight, let's say. But it is those small changes, those small things that you do every day you know, maybe I'm not going to choose to eat that today, or maybe I'm going to choose to go, you know, exercise in a small way today, or whatever the the small changes that you make, they may not have immediate, huge, monumental kind of impacts. But over time, like you say, they, they, they will grow and they will compound and, and they will start to establish this larger change that you were looking for. And I guess that's in spiritual matters, you know, even just dedicating yourself every day, and I've I've started to do this myself, is being grateful for something, expressing gratitude every day. Just tell one person or say to to one situation, I appreciate this, or I, I I'm thankful for this. That you know, even just that one thing every day can help me become more grateful and aware of of what blessings I have. Maybe it's it's reading just a small verse or sharing with somebody every day a small thought that you've had about the gospel or, or about God's word in something. You know, even just just small little things every day, you know, and, and if if those connected to each other, sort of this idea of not breaking the chain, just every day continuing to to add to the mm. list of of what you've dedicated yourself to i think is is really helpful and then eventually it it just grows so yeah there's two passages two statements of jesus i thought about using one of these for a jesus said but uh i thought you might be prepared for it so i wanted to give you a, <laughs> a, a, a something out of left field a little bit but these two have really shaped my thinking about discipleship and spiritual development and how i need to grow and so very simple ideas. One is Jesus said to those who have more will be given. Mark 4:25 says that, Luke 12:48, and those who don't have even what they have will be taken away. And he applies those to different ideas and in fact they can be applied to almost any area of life. There's such such profound wisdom in these words, this idea that Jesus says at first it seems very unfair, but we see it in our own lives that when I, when I do that practice you just said of being grateful and expressing love and gratitude to someone and thinking about positive things, taking one step to read one verse of the Bible every morning, just one verse, now I have something. Now I'm spiritually a have and not a spiritual have not. 
where I, I was thinking only about something else. And what starts to happen is there's momentum. There's sort of this upward spiral. And I've been on a downward spiral and it's hard to get out of. And it's just that choice to hear God and to take a small step towards him and draw near to him. And he draws near to us, James 4, 8. And so that's one principle that I, I just want to keep keep going in the right way because as I have the Lord, I'm going to have more and more of him if I keep walking in that way. And then with that, to the one, just that steward principle of the one who is faithful in a few things or faithful in, in small things is going to be faithful in larger things. So he's going to entrust a little bit to me and I need to be faithful in that little bit instead of those big grandiose goals. And then I'll grow more and more faithful and these habits will grow bigger and bigger. And one verse becomes reading the whole New Testament on my birthday. But I started with this smaller. I'm sure I'm making you uncomfortable with that. No, but, no, uh, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. But I've started, you know, somebody might be thinking, I, I can't even get close to reading a chapter. I, you know, I start these Bible plans and I... Matthew 1, I start, and then I'm in the begats, and I just lose it. And just start with reading something and make it a habit, make it consistent. It's not a one-time thing. It's something that's your practice. Start with spending a little bit of time every meal with prayer. You know, take a—in fact, one one guy, B.J. Fogg, a Stanford behavioral, says, start with a 30-second habit. And don't do anything more, and it'll grow from there. And just to sort of tack on to that really quickly, two things in my mind and, and even in practice in my life have been helpful in making these small habits stick. One, one of them is, and, and this may not be for everyone, I, I don't know what everyone does in terms of like journaling or tracking or whatever, but being self-aware is really important in this. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to look at yourself standing in the mirror, investigating your life, looking at what you do, if, if you're not willing to look at yourself, then it's going to be really easy for you to just neglect or ignore the kinds of habits that you're trying to put into your life. And so really having those kinds of tough conversations with yourself about how did I do today? Mm-hmm. And, and I think prayer really does a lot for that. Mm-hmm. When you're able to communicate with God on a daily basis and tell him how you have neglected maybe the time that you could have spent doing something else or ask for help and support in some of the ways that you've stumbled, I think that's really helpful in just being self-aware of where you are, what you're doing, and then the improvements that you can make. I I have a journaling habit and I've done you know everything from like the bullet journal in a written form. Uh, most recently, I've I've been journaling on my iPad, you know, just sort of writing out my day-to-day kinds of activities and, and some of the mm-hmm. things that I've been trying to track. At one point, I had this app on my phone called Productive, which was basically some small, like these 30-second type habits that you that you talked about. These little small things that I could just check off throughout the day that I've done that I wanted to do, and, and it would remind me to do them. Mm-hmm. But just being accountable and saying, did I do this today? Did I do what I wanted to do? And if not, then sort of roll that into the next day as as motivation. But then the second thing, just, just really briefly, this idea of embedding yourself within a community of people 
mm-hmm. or within a friend group or a peer group of people who have the same motivations as you do. And I think this is really the power of the church yeah. in a lot of ways. You know, when you can put yourself in the midst of a group of people who are committed to the same kinds of changes that you're trying to make, then it's not just going to be you alone. And when you open up and you're vulnerable about some of the failures that you've had or some of the successes that you've had, that can be motivating for you to lean on each other and sharpen each other and refine each other in in a way. And I think that kind of choice to put people into your life who can help you in those ways makes it easier to just not fall off the wagon, so to speak. Yeah. And to put all of that together as kind of a closing thought for me, this, as much as we've talked about some of the research that's been done and the things that we've grown from, what I've seen in my life is that there is something that as Christians we can tap into that you can't test in a clinical study. You can't find just by doing behavioral research the power of prayer, the power of the church, the power of the word, the power of the spirit, the power of grace in our lives and the example of Christ's love on the cross and how that shapes us and and so many things that give us this sort of supernatural power, this spiritual man that we are rather than the natural man that we were. And that is something you have to tap into if you want to change the habits in your life. And little by little, we each become more and more like Jesus. Yeah, I I think that's sort of at least just scratching the surface of habits, uh, maybe getting into some of the motivations. And, And I think this kind of topic is something that we'll revisit at some point. Because there's a lot to say about it. There's there's a lot that we can continue to do. And I know as as you have committed yourself in your series of lessons that you're doing over there at North, you've actually been giving the audience during the end of your sermons this year challenges, like specific challenges to do certain things. And one of my favorite parts of what you've added to your preaching is that just idea of continual self-improvement by by small changes. And so if you haven't, maybe check out Ryan's lessons this year, and a lot of them come with very specific challenges that you can add to your life. And I did steal that for my last lesson that I preached. <laughs> I gave our folks some some challenges to do as well. Yeah, I, I invented the idea of a specific <laughs> application, so you can <laughs> give me credit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's it's really powerful for me to to just get really specific because it's so easy for me to stay abstract. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, we could give a challenge to our listeners today just to think about some small habit, some small thing that supports your bigger spiritual goals that for 30 seconds or for some small way you can have something that prompts you i woke up in the morning or i got my coffee or i'm laying down to bed or whatever it is eating lunch and that's when you're gonna know i'm gonna do this one small thing a prayer a a scripture time a a gratitude thought a, a text to someone of positive word whatever it is and think about what you're gonna do and commit to it and share it with a community of friends, as Brian said, and and try to make these incremental changes with us. And I wanna know as we continue this with this series, Brian, I think one reason to come back to it is 
is I want to know how you're doing with yours. And I want to hear more about this journaling thing and all the the (laughs) habits we're putting into place. Awesome. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you head on over to our website at BibleGeeks.fm, there is a link at the top of the page, which you can email us and send us any questions that you have. Let us know how you're doing with your challenge. Let us know if there's something that you want to hear us talk about. We'd love to entertain those ideas and get in touch with you. So thanks everybody for listening. And until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. See ya.